Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Is moments away, but before we get started, we want to remind all of you that this show is powered by unions. These hardworking men and women were kind enough to get behind us in this new venture, so we'd like to thank the following unions for making this show possible. The International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, not Aerosmith, Local 126 and District 8. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9. The International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. All of those unions help make this possible. And, of course, The Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by the Chicago Federation of Labor. And with that said, The Ben Jarofsky Show begins right now. Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by the Chicago Sun-Times. For the latest in Chicago and Illinois news, sports, weather, and the latest in national news from a real Chicago frame of mind and real Chicago writers, check out the Chicago Sun-Times. Read the daily paper or online at chicago.suntimes.com. And hey, if you have a little extra cash, subscribe. And by the Chicago Reader. For a deeper dive in the daily Chicago news and for all of what's going on in this city, you gotta read the reader. Music, arts and culture, film, extensive event calendars, concert listings, and more, including weekly political columns from writers like Maya Dukmasova and, yes, our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader is free in newsstands and at chicagoreader.com. That's chicagoreader.com. It is Tuesday, March 5th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, we welcome Sun-Times writer Mark Brown and president of the Chicago Principals Association, the one, the only, Mr. Troy LaRavier. And now your host... President of nothing, <laughs> Chicago Reader columnist, <laughs> Benny J. Benjarovsky. Hello, everybody. Benjarovsky here. We're calling this Cut from the Same Cloth Tuesday. And here's why. Had a great three days off. How about you, Dr. D? You what? have a good three days off? Not bad. Not, Not bad. bad at all. I see. I saw a great Bulls game. Triple, no, quadruple overtime. Oh, my. Bulls victory over Atlanta. Finally got around to seeing Spider-Man, the animation flick. Uh, it's been out for a while, but I finally got around to seeing it. I love Spider-Man, the first hour or so. But then, you know, it's just like Black Panther and all the other Marvel flicks. I love the setup, but then once they get to the action, I don't really like the action. So I'm like, 
let's get this thing over with, or can we go back to the setup? It's sort of like opera, D. Like everything about opera except the singing, all right? So, like everything That's a about- big part of the, the opera, by the way. <laughs> it's the same thing with Marvel. Anyway, woke up Sunday to find him, my beloved Bright One, the oh, Chicago Sun-Times. Show those listeners that news play. Here paper it paper. is, everybody, the Sun-Times. Excellent article, a lot to talk about. Uh, Fed's wiretap shows Madigan Solis eye development of state land used for parking in Chinatown by Mark Brown and Tim Novak. Folks, I'm going to do the deep dive, take a little moment here to explain what's in this story. You're going to have to follow along with me because it's a convoluted, complicated story. Uh, Mark and Tim did a very good job of laying it all out. But the point is, the point is, I want my listeners out, not only in the city of Chicago, but me, I'm speaking to you listeners out there in Kankakee and Oswego and Plainfield hey, and Kankakee, Joliet Plainfield. and all those places we visited all the time. Don't think that the Republicans outside of Chicago are that much different than Chicagoans. You know, out of, coming out of that Rauner uh, gubernatorial campaign day, they were always talking about, the Republicans were talking about the Democratic machine, the evil Democratic machine. Well, if you take the deep dive in Mark Brown and Tim Novak's story, a lot to talk about. You see, Republicans and Democrats in this state have a lot in common. All right, now let's back up and talk about this. Basically, Alderman Danny Solis, yes, that Alderman Danny Solis from the 25th Ward in the city of Chicago, the one who eventually was caught wearing a wire for the feds and the one who was swapping approval on zoning deals for, for Viagra, that Danny Solis, according to the story a few years back, was greasing the way to sell a parking lot at Cermak and Wentworth in Chinatown so it could be developed. A word about that parking lot. I love that parking lot, all right? I mean, whenever I go to eat in Chinatown, I eat in Chinatown all the time, D. You know that. You've been with me in Chinatown eating. I'd park in that parking lot. So I'm like, hey, if you're going to develop that parking lot, at least run it by me or, you know, everybody else in the city of Chicago. But uh uh-uh. Unbeknownst to anybody, they were wheeling and dealing to sell that parking lot so it could be developed. Now, follow me in this, folks. The parking lot is actually owned by the state. It's rented by the people who run the parking lot. Alderman Solis wanted the state to sell the parking lot to the city. Why? Because once the city controlled the parking lot, it would be a lot easier for Danny to grease the ways for the developers to build a building on it, thus wiping away the parking lot that I needed to park whenever I ate in Chinatown. I know the story is really not about D, but I'm about me, D, but I'm just kind of bringing myself into it. Anyway, well, it is your show. Yeah, it is my show. All right, got that, everybody? Anyway, Teresa Ma, the state rep from Chinatown, was opposed to selling the parking lot, okay? So what did they do? They tried to do an end around. Follow me on this, folks. The developers wanted to develop that parking lot, hired a Republican lobbyist who contacted a downstate Republican state rep who sponsored an amendment that would direct the state to sell the parking lot. You hear that? The local state rep, a Democrat, Theresa Ma, was against it, so they try to be slick and go around her and get a Republican downstater to pass it. Ultimately, the deal fell apart. Thank goodness. Still got a parking lot there whenever I go to Chinatown. But the point is this. There really was not much difference between Republicans and Democrats. They were all kind of working on this deal together. So the next time you hear some Republican going on and on 
about the evil Chicago Democratic machine. Remember that parking lot deal, folks. They're all kind of cut from the same cloth. We got a great show today, everybody. Mark Brown, the same Mark Brown who uh, co-wrote that great story and uh, about the parking lot deal and a columnist for the Chicago Sun-Times will be with us in the studio. We'll be talking about that deal and probably talk a little mayoral politics if I know Mark Brown and maybe uh, also talk about uh, the upcoming presidential race. Uh, Troy LaRabier, yes, that Troy LaRabier, the head of the Chicago Principals Association, will be here at 2 o'clock. If you recall, Troy LaRabier, as I like to put it, was the original, original gangster. He was the first candidate to declare uh, for, to run for mayor when Rahm was still very much in the race. Ultimately, he decided not to run for mayor, uh, and then he sort of disappeared from sight, uh, decided to have a lower profile. But he's making his return today. We'll be talking politics, what his views on the mayor's race are, who he's going to support, if anyone, uh, Tony Preckwinkle or Lori Lightfoot. And also, he was a, a Bernie Sanders supporter uh, back in 2016, he was a Bernie Sanders delegate. Get his thoughts on uh, Bernie Sanders, the big rally that Bernie held uh, in Chicago as we prepare. It's just on the horizon, everybody. I can see it up ahead. Oh, yeah, I see it. The 2020 presidential election oh, wow, look at it. is just around the corner. So uh, Troy LaRavier will be here. Mark Brown will be here. Uh, Miles, uh, we call him the editor, Porter, the pride and joy of Roosevelt University is here. Uh, coming off a great victory, well, not a victory over the weekend in baseball, uh, but Miles is helping us out. And, of course, the man, the myth, the legend, the man we call the doctor, producer Dennis, with the news. Oh, man, I do see that election ahead. Hey, who's that one guy? Oh, yeah, that's John Delaney. <laughs> oh, John Delaney. Forgot about him. <laughs> yeah. Easy to forget. Yeah, he's the state, uh, the, the congressman from Maryland. Am I right on that one? Hey, nice job. All right, it's the middle of the day. Let's talk about the national news happening this mm-hmm. afternoon. Actually... Before we get wrapped up in today's news, Ben, we got to talk about what went down earlier in the week. And no, I'm not talking about that absurd CPAC speech from our president. And all of a sudden, <laughs> they're trying to take you out with bull****, okay? No, <laughs> oh, no, not talking about that one. Okay. Darling, is the wind blowing today? I'd like to watch television. You know I'm totally off script right now. Honestly, seen one Trump speech, you've seen them all, guys. It's the win. I, th- I guess that's it. Was this assault on anything remotely resembling environmentally safe energy sources? I think that's what. No, I'm not talking about that Trump speech. No, I am not. Ben, we got to talk about that Chicago visit from Bernie Sanders on Sunday. We're not only going to defeat Trump, we're going to transform the United States of America. Over 12,000 people gathered at Navy Pier Sunday night as 2020 presidential candidate Bernie Sanders rallied his Illinois and Chicagoland supporters. Ben, I have to ask, in your opinion, out of the other 10 Democratic candidates running for president, would any of them be able to draw a crowd of 12,000 people if they came to Chicago? No way. No way? I don't believe any of them at this particular moment could do so. 12,000, they packed uh, Navy Pier. Bernie Sanders is still sort of a rock star uh, obviously, you know, what, how much did he raise, D? $10 million, uh, in his first couple days since he announcing. So those Bernie Sanders supporters are rock solid. You know, I remember this. I, I remember when the moment, D, uh, it, it hit home that Bernie Sanders had reached people who aren't ordinarily reached by the political process. And I was walking down the street, follow me on this, and it was 2016, and I saw Joey. What up, Joey? A kid who hey, grew up in the neighborhood uh, with my daughters. He's about, mm, I would say, 29 or so. And uh, I had never thought of Joey as being a uh, p- person involved in politics. I believe he was a bartender at the time, whatever. And uh, 
he said, he told me, he goes, I'm feeling the burn. He was the one who raised this up. He raised politics to me. And he somehow or other, Bernie Sanders, at age whatever he was back then, 73, 74, had reached a 25-year-old who had uh, college bills to worry about. And, you know, he had reached millennials who were outside the political process. So he has, I would not underestimate Bernie Sanders at all, that ability uh, to get 12,000 people in Navy Pier is no joke. Maybe Elizabeth Warren, now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, Elizabeth Warren has that kind Kamala of Harris? draw. Kamala Harris, 12,000. She's kind of an unknown factor in, in Illinois right now. It may take a while before she uh, builds it with a lot of preparation. I mean, let's face it. The Illinois primary is not for another year or so. So not a lot of the other candidates are thinking about uh, Illinois. Bernie Spent time in Chicago, as you recall. He was at the University of Chicago in the early 60s, was involved in civil rights protests, got arrested, uh, protesting for uh, to desegregate the schools. So he's trying to, you know, make Chicago a part of his narrative. He talked about that. He's speaking more now uh, in his speeches about who he is. He's trying to uh, personalize the election, so to speak. Uh, he's, I guess he's trying to learn from some of the mistakes he made back in 2016, the big mistake uh, the, the great oversight, of course, is his inability back in 2016 to really successfully uh, campaign uh, in black communities and woo black voters. That's going to be a huge obstacle for Bernie again, I think. So I think he's trying to work on that by trying to uh, you know, integrate into his narrative stories about how he was arrested in Chicago back in the early 60s. Can you believe that? Bernie Sanders has been around since the early 60s as an activist. So, uh, yeah, Bernie's going to be a formidable uh, force uh, in uh, the upcoming primaries. Well, no mistake here. Mr. Sanders is in the race, and he definitely has a base. Here's audio from Sanders Sunday night in Chicago. We are gathered here tonight to complete the political revolution we started three years ago. Three years ago, they thought we were kind of crazy and extreme. Not the case anymore. Three years ago, the ideas that we brought forth here in Illinois and all over the country were rejected by Democrats. Not anymore. We have begun the political revolution, and now we're going to complete it. Uh, <laughs> Bernie, man, I, I still can't get over Bernie as a force. You know, I remember in 2016, when he first emerged, I go, nobody's going to vote for this guy. He reminds me of so many people in my family. You know what I mean? It's like Thanksgiving at the Ben Jarofsky house or something. But he caught on. I mean, there's something real about him, let's be honest. Uh, you know, I still I got my issues, a few issues with Bernie Sanders. He's not a Democrat. You know, it's kind of interesting he's running for the Democratic nomination. I don't believe he's a member of the Democratic Party. I think officially he is an independent, but uh, he's going to have to deal with that. As I said, the inability to reach out uh, and get black support, that's going to be uh, an obstacle he has to uh, overcome. But uh, just hearing him, though, I mean, he he has, listen, he's been in it for the long haul. He's right. He was championing these issues long before anybody else would. And even now, there are those in the Democratic Party who say they're too extreme. Things like uh, things like free college is just too much of a promise that we can't keep. Uh, Medicare for all is a promise we cannot keep. But these are goals, in my humble opinion, that the Democratic Party uh, should be pursuing and trying to achieve. And if you, if you run away from your goals before you even get in the race, then you're never going to get them. So I give Bernie credit uh, for... 
you know, as isolating these issues, putting a spotlight on these issues, and uh, accentuating these values that Democrats are supposed to hold dear or true to, and uh, forcing everybody else to the move to the left. All right, a big difference uh, in Bernie Sanders' run this time. This previous run, Hillary Clinton was around. Well, she made it official yesterday. Hillary Clinton is not running for president in 2020. I'm not running, but I'm going to keep uh, working and speaking and standing up for what I believe. I want to be sure that people understand I'm going to keep speaking out. I'm not going anywhere. What's at stake in our country, the kinds of things that are happening right now, are deeply troubling to me. We've gotten not just polarized, we've gotten into really opposing camps, unlike anything I've ever seen in my adult life. Yes, uh, Hillary Clinton, of course, her great contribution to the Democratic Party uh, in two elections, 08 and, of course, uh, 2016, was proving uh, that a woman could run for president, proving that a woman uh, could be, uh, well, she was the nominee. Actually, she won the election. She got more votes than Donald Trump, as I like to point out. Only this crazy system we have in this country enabled Donald Trump to take the White House. And so you know, her legacy could be seen in uh, uh, Kirsten Gill- Gillibrand, uh, the senator from New York who's running, and uh, Elizabeth Warren, the senator uh, from Massachusetts who's running, and uh, uh uh, Amy Klobuchar, uh, I can't Klobuchar. remember. Klobuchar. Klobuchar. We have a tar- hard time with her name. The senator from Minnesota who's running. So uh, her legacy lives on. And you know what, D? I'm one of those Democrats. I voted for Bernie, but I turned right around and voted for Hillary, and I'm not ashamed of it, okay? You know, it's all you Bernie supporters out there who are hating on Hillary. Come on now. All right? She said, we, I think we'd be a lot better off with Hillary Clinton uh, as our president and Donald John Trump, that is for sure. Oh, you mean uh, this guy? Wind blowing today. I'd like to watch television. Oh. You know I'm totally off script right now. Yeah, oh. we know. Oh, we know, dude. Oh, I'm a wild and crazy guy. I'm Donald John Trump. We know. <laughs> now, of course, we will keep you posted on these stories as today's program rolls along. Benny, Jay, I got a quick question for you, buddy. Oh, okay. Well, you wouldn't have to be ready to find out what's going on in Chicago and or Illinois, would you? I was born ready love that answer fantastic answer especially at this time because coming up after the break people we are going to find out what else is news ah you know i love this part of the show folks doctor pulls that little trick out of his little sleeve we'll see what it is when we return hey there producer dennis here Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, so here's how this works. The Ben Jarofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel, or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download the Ben Jarofsky Show, you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times Online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader Online, chicagoreader.com. And wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for The Ben Jarofsky Show, J-O-R-A, V as in victory, S-K-Y. So let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., live streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel, 
and downloadable by four at chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, the Ben Jarofsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show. you would like to advertise with the Ben Jarofsky show and who wouldn't contact Tracy Bame at publisher at chicagoreadercorp.com we have several advertising options for your business or organization and quite frankly we would love nothing more than to tell our listeners all about it once again that's Tracy Bame at publisher at chicagoreadercorp that's c-o-r-p as in paul dot com to advertise with the Ben Jarofsky Show, the Chicago Reader, and the Chicago Sun-Times. We look forward to plugging you. Okay, well, that came out kind of weird. More of the Ben Jarofsky Show live and downloaded in moments. (laughs) Hey, welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Live from the Chicago Sun Times. Stop laughing. Oh, I just love that song. I was just sort of singing. La, da, 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 da. Hey, da, 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 da. <laughs> no singing. You know we have a piano in the corner there. Anytime now, do you yes, want to get do. up and play that piano? Okay, uh, I mean, I've got a yeah. show to run. Oh, here. Sorry. Uh, anyway, speaking of a show to run, it's Come time. On. The doctor takes a deep dive on the local news. Yes, people, we're about to find out what's going on locally. It's time for what else is news. The magic number is twenty-eight. That's how many days we have until our 2019 Chicago mayoral runoff election, April 2nd, where Cook County Board President Tony Preckwinkle squares off against former prosecutor and former Chicago Police Board President Lori Lightfoot. And Ben, right now, in my bearded face, (laughs) I have two pieces of audio. And for those who are new to our program, well, we're glad you're joining us at the moment because you are about to take part in something very special. Ben, for the first time in our brand new studio, uh-huh. we're going to partake in one of our favorite things to do here on the Ben Jarofsky Show. Ben, we're going to play and analyze candidate campaign ads. Oh, I love this part of the show. Yes, it's true. You may have already viewed them at nauseum on your television <laughs> or computer by now, yeah. but you've yet to hear Benny J's take on them, and you're going to hear those ads in moments. But first, Mr. Jarofsky, we need your uh, take on the mayoral news that broke last night. Now, we mentioned last week how several organizations and groups in Chicago have been scratching their heads on which candidate to back in this election. Lightfoot, Preckwinkle, Preckwinkle, Lightfoot. I don't know. What do I do? (laughs) Well, it looks as though that our friends over at the Chicago Federation of Labor are sick of scratching their head. The following comes from the Sun-Times and the one and only Fran the Woe Man Spielman. The Chicago Federation of Labor decided Monday to remain neutral in the historic April 2nd mayoral runoff in a, in a move likely to be seen as a boon to Lori Lightfoot and a major blow to Tony Preckwinkle. Here's the quote from Chicago Federation of, of Labor President and guest this week on the Ben Jarofsky Show, Bob Ryder. Bob Ryder says, quote, something different may have happened if we had this meeting two weeks from now, but we're not. Today was the day. Our representative body that makes this decision isn't scheduled to meet again during this election cycle. So once again, the Chicago Federation of Labor uh, at the moment staying out yeah. of the Chicago mayoral runoff. Ben Jarofsky, what say you? Wait, time out. Is that the same Bob Ryder who loves 90s rock and roll music? I believe so. The same Bob Ryder who uh, used to play football? 
the same Bob Ryder yeah. used to come on our show all the time, and he'll be here. The same Bob Ryder who'll be here tomorrow at two thirty. That yeah. Bob Ryder. Yeah, okay, that guy. just want to make low rider. Okay, no. Just thinking I'll of him when I hear that. Dog. Hang tight, audience. Hey, you know uh, millennials. Uh, here, the reality is this: I've talked to a lot of uh, union folks, a lot of labor people. They don't know who to endorse. You know, they're. I mean, um, a lot of the labor people I talked to uh, were big fans of Susanna Mendoza. She did not win. Uh, there are those Union Act uh, supporters, the Chicago Teachers Union, Stacey Davis-Gates will be in the studio later this week, who are big supporters of Tony Preckwinkle. But, you know, if you can't rally around one candidate, sometimes the best uh, best solution, the best strategy is just to duck out. And uh, I don't blame them. You know, in fact, last night at bowling, I was talking to a police officer oh, who nice. will uh, remain anonymous. How'd you guys do, by the way, in bowling? Thank you for asking. You're we welcome. Were, uh, excellent. We swept. Uh, Miles' dad, Miles, the editor's dad, was on fire. So, Cap, if you're listening, great job last night. Tony with the T was absolutely sensational. I did not do so well. Let's not talk about that. Nah. Uh, Come on, we, Benny with a P. But we were victorious. But I was talking to this cop, and he was saying that he has no idea who the rank and file are going to be uh, going to be supporting uh, in this campaign. Uh, a lot of people, you know, they're new to Lori Lightfoot. She's a new face uh, in Chicago politics. This is her first run for office. A lot of people woke up the day after uh, the uh, uh, on the election on February 28th or 27th, whatever it was, and said, uh, "Who is this lady?" So it's too early for a union uh, for the Chicago Federation of Labor to make an endorsement. You know what? It's probably just as well. Uh, let's let's let this one play out. So my thought is is that if you uh, if you can't twist all the arms to get everybody to join forces, punt. And that's what they did. All right, Bob Ryder once again will be on the program. When is that again, Ben? That will be tomorrow, Wednesday at two thirty. Wednesday, two thirty. Mark your calendars. We're going to talk with Bob Ryder, the Chicago Federation of Labor. All right. Now let's unpack these campaign ads once again. The mayoral runoff election is Tuesday, April second. And if you're unsure of who to support, listen up, all right? This may help you out a bit. And, yes, I'm also talking to you, Chicago Federation of Labor. Listen up. <laughs> Bob Ryder, you listen. Right. I have campaign commercials from both candidates, Lightfoot and Preckwinkle. Mm -hmm. We'll begin with the latter. Cook County Board President Tony Preckwinkle, uh, well, she certainly has a strategy in this election. Nothing too complex, really. Yeah, trash Lori Lightfoot. <laughs> That's the plan thus far, <laughs> and the following ad further proves this point. So, without further ado, let's hear the latest ad from Cook County Board President Tony Preckwinkle. Lori Lightfoot talks a big game, but what's her real story? A wealthy corporate lawyer, Lightfoot was reprimanded for professional misconduct. She defended a Wall Street bank being sued for racial discrimination and worked for Republican politicians trying to protect their power. And after using her influence to gain a powerful appointment, she overruled investigators to justify police shootings. Turns out the only thing Lori Lightfoot's trying to change is her own story. All right, that music sold me. <laughs> I was on the fence, but then I heard that music. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, by the way, Lori Lightfoot is, uh, will be our guest tonight at First Tuesday at nice. the Hideout, uh, 1354 West Wabansi. I should not give the address because... I've discovered that the show is uh, sold out, but this is how super millennial we will be. You can watch it on Facebook Live uh, on our Facebook page, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Search for The Ben Jarofsky Show on Facebook, and you can live stream Ben's interview. Well, Ben and Mick's interview with Lori Lightfoot. Ben, spell that last name. 
Uh, which one, Mix or Mine? Yours. Oh, just kidding. Uh, J-O-R-A-V, as in Victory, S-K-Y. You'd be astounded how many people still met, misspell that name. And then they assure me. I'll go, uh, let me spell that name for Ben. I know how to spell that name. I go, oh, yeah, spell it. And then they misspell it. I go, that's why I'll spell it for you. Anyway, Lori Life will be there tonight with McDumpke and myself. And yes, yes, indeed, Tony Prinkwinkle made it clear on the night of the election that she was going to come in strong. She's not messing around. Her uh, strategy, if you will, is to do sort of what Rom did to Chewy back in 2015 and um, create an identity for her opponent, in this case, Lori Lightfoot, before Lori Lightfoot can create one for herself. Uh, Tony has more money than Lori, so she can go in the air faster, and she is just slamming her corporate lawyer, corporate lawyer, corporate lawyer. We talked about this last week. I'm not sure you know, where that resonates, like how people, I don't know what the, the negatives are on corporate lawyers. I have to admit, I've, um, you know, I mean, corporate lawyer does sound, sound a little Republican to me. And uh, as a rep, uh, corporate lawyer, uh, uh, Lori Lightfoot uh, worked with Republicans on that uh, congressional map that uh, that, that uh, Tony Preckwinkle's ad is alluding to. So, the, you know, there is some credibility as a corporate lawyer. She worked with Republicans or represented Republicans. But she's also been a Democrat uh, for her whole adult life. What you do as a professional lawyer, I think most of us know, is a little different than how you vote uh, or how, you know, your values and views, what you do as a professional. So that'll be the challenge for Lori Lightfoot to somehow or other present herself uh, as a real Democrat who cares about uh, working people, poor people, middle class people, etc. But uh, yeah, Tony Preckwinkle is clearly trying to present uh, Lori Lightfoot in the scariest light possible. Like I said, that music. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> All right. Up next is the ad from Lori Lightfoot. So far, she has taken the high road here on the latest attacks from Preckwinkle. Ben, what are your uh, thoughts on uh, Lightfoot's approach there? Well, you know me and the high road. I've discussed <laughs> the high road many times. Michelle Obama, uh, in October of 2016, made that famous quote at a speech somewhere talking about uh, Hillary running against Trump. And she said, uh, Michelle said, when Trump goes low, we'll go high. And it didn't work out so well for Hillary, even though, as I pointed out, she did win the popular vote. Uh, but uh, maybe that those and it was probably her inability to uh, her unwillingness, whatever, to uh, campaign in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania and Michigan enough that undid her in the Electoral College. But I don't think. Uh, when you're up against a Donald Trump type, you can always afford to take the high road. And I don't think it'll work for Lori Lightfoot to continually take the high road. I think she's going to have to go low before this election is over. All right. Here's the latest ad from Lightfoot. Once again, Chicago Federation of Labor. Hope you boys are listening. All right. And, uh, Ben, be ready. After this ad, I'm going to ask you which had the better ad. All right. Oh, Preckwinkle or Lightfoot. Okay. Here's the latest ad from mayoral runoff candidate Lori Lightfoot. I traveled across the city and saw people struggling with repossessed cars and rising rent yes. with underfunded neighborhood schools and gun violence right. on their blocks. I know on a deeply personal level that we need change. Yes. This election is about demanding an independent, accountable city hall that serves the people, not the political machine. All right, well, there's some digs in that little bit, too, when she talks about an independent mayor who serves the people, not the machine. She's hammering— Subtle digs. Yeah, subtle. Not that subtle. She's hammering on the fact that uh, 
Tony Preckwinkle is the chair of the Democratic Party, that Tony Preckwinkle has ties to uh, Ed Burke and Joe Berrios and exceedingly unpopular Democrats. In the case of Burke, is under indictment. In the case of Joe Berrios, who was just bounced from office as assessor. So she's not being that. Well, she's being subtle. She didn't name Burke and Berrios there, but she's sort of just, you know, sending out that giant dog whistle. So I guess she's not, not being as pure and, uh, you know, uh, as I was alluding to earlier. But that's the reality is this. Um, this is going to be a dirty campaign. This is Chicago politics. It gets very dirty and gets, gets very nasty, and Lori Lightfoot's going to have to uh, fight back, too. Uh, and, by the way, she was also, at the start of that, dealing uh, with the uh, stereotype that um, uh, Tony Preckwell tr- is trying to hammer her with, that you know she cares about people. She's not just an unfeeling, uncaring corporate lawyer. Uh, the, at the opening, she t- talks about uh, people who've lost their cars. Uh, you know, d- for the last f- uh, four years or eight years, the city of Chicago is trying to squeeze money to uh, to fund government in all kinds of ways. And one of the ways is to, uh, to uh, raise fees and fines and tickets and people lose their cars. It's a big problem. Uh, ProPublica wrote about this uh, and uh, about a year or two ago. A lot of uh, cars being uh, uh, snatched away by the city because people fall behind on payments. It's not fair. It's not a good, uh, solid way to fund government, in my humble opinion. Uh, and uh, so um, Willie Wilson uh, was very was able to use that issue uh, to his advantage in the last election. And now I think Lori Lightfoot's trying to pick it up as well. By the way, Willie Wilson will also be on the program this week, I believe Thursday, right, Ben? Two that, o'clock? That is correct. we got to get him that parking pass. <laughs> yeah, a day doesn't go by where Willie Wilson's press guy. Where's that park? I'm going to have to ask the people at the Sun-Times, do they even have parking passes? I don't know. Mark Brown is our next guest. We'll find out Thursday. That first question I'm going to ask Mark Brown, hey, can we get a parking pass for (laughs) Willie Wilson? (laughs) All right, so we've heard the two ads. Ben Jarofsky, you are officially in the hot seat. Uh Which candidate, Lori Lightfoot or Tony Preckwinkle, who had the better ad? In my humble opinion, those two ads, I felt uh, Lori Lightfoot had the better ad. I thought Lori Lightfoot uh, mixed uh, saying something positive about herself with the attack, whereas the Tony ad was just uh, an attack ad. So in my humble opinion, just on that one ad, I'd give the uh, benefit to uh, Lori Lightfoot. All right, let me throw that uh, little statistic you just gave into the Ben Jarofsky Show political (laughs) ad tracker, which is just me writing it on a piece of paper. Lori Lightfoot won, Tony Preckwinkle (laughs) Zero. All, All right. right. Well, there'll be plenty more ads to uh, to go with. I may just throw some at uh, Tony Prickle just to make the race interesting before all is said and done. So there you are. Just like that, you're now in the know of what's going on in Chicago. And now you will have an answer the next time someone asks you, hey, what else is news? All right. Let me tell you something. Okay. Something that Bernie Sanders. Oh, nice. Something that Barry Sanders from the Detroit oh, Lions. Remember yeah, Barry number Sanders? 20. <laughs> is, yeah, he was number yeah, 20. Yeah, juke move. And something that Colonel Sanders, I love Kentucky Fried Chicken. Oh, they all agree. You did a great job. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. We got Mark Brown sitting right here, everybody. We'll be right back after this. The Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by the Chicago Sun-Times. For the latest in Chicago and Illinois news, sports, weather, and the latest in national news from a real Chicago frame of mind and real Chicago writers, check out the Chicago Sun-Times. Read the daily paper or online at chicago.suntimes.com. And hey, if you have a little extra cash, subscribe. And by the Chicago Reader. For a deeper dive in the daily Chicago news and for all of what's going on in this city, you gotta read the Reader. Music, arts and culture, film, extensive event calendars, concert listings, and more. 
including weekly political columns from writers like Maya Dukmasova and, yes, our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader is free in newsstands and at chicagoreader.com. That's chicagoreader.com. break over welcome back to the ben jarofsky show live from the chicago sun times yes indeed we are live from our beautiful studio our cozy little corner here in the chicago sun times building right down the hall from the washroom uh and um <laughs> uh, my next guest is the legendary mark brown he's a columnist he's a writer political writer for the chicago sun times mark welcome to the show glad to be here ben I'm glad you have the show yeah i'm glad to and uh uh, you know, uh, Dennis, I don't know if you know this, Mark Brown, are you from the 618 area code? You're from downstate. You're not from Chicago. It, you grew up in a community downstate. What's the area I, code? Do you remember? Uh, I think I'm from uh, 61571. Six. Do you know that, D? Nope. Uh, Dennis is from Alton, Alton, Illinois. Oh, I'm and, not from that far down. Oh, he's <laughs> not from that far down. And uh, anyway, we always do a joke about the 618 area code. I thought for a second you guys you know could like hug or something because you're both from the 618 but you're not no i'm a 309 i'm sorry i i, I spaced out on you here <laughs> it's okay well when you're south of i-80 we're all brothers buddy so yeah. there, you, there go. you go all right uh mark brown you've been uh, you may be from downstate originally uh but you've been covering chicago politics for a long time you write a political column for the sun times and the first thing i want to talk to you about is this excellent story that we're promoting all day uh that ran uh in sunday's sun times a lot to talk about that's a pun, folks. I just realized that a lot to talk about. There is a lot to talk about in terms of lots of things to talk about. And specifically, it's a parking lot. Who wrote that headline, Mark? Uh, uh, you know, there were a lot of, there were a lot of variations so over the course. Of the, they were trying to finally find a way to make this uh, sort of dry subject uh, interesting. So I, I, I appreciate that they got a good headline. Well, it is. I don't think it's that dry. I think um, any, it, what you guys, what you and Tim Novak successfully did in this article, and again, I urge everybody to read it. I talked about it already, was to bring the life. Uh, the way business is done in the city of Chicago, not just the city of Chicago, Mark, but the state of Illinois. I already accentuated the point where, again, I'll, I'll go back for people to hear. Uh, Danny Solis, the alderman of the 25th Ward, was acting on behalf basically of a developer who wanted to uh, develop a parking lot in Chinatown, a parking lot, as I pointed out, that I love to use. Uh, and uh, to get the, the development done, he needed the state to sell the parking lot to the city, and then he, Danny, could use his influence with the city to get the approvals he needed for the development. And the key, the key problem, the vexing issue facing them was to get the state to sell the parking lot. And so they ended up employing, uh, bringing on, I should say, a, um, a lobbyist, a Republican lobbyist who tried to get a Republican state rep. Uh, to pass the necessary legislation. It's just kind of show, this is the part I was uh, talking about, Mark, about how Republicans and Democrats sort of work together uh, in devious ways behind the scenes that we can't see. Well, you know, um, you did an excellent job of just cutting through all that. Um, you know, the amazing thing is, was he working on behalf of the developer or was he working on behalf of the federal government to set somebody up? We don't know. And that's, to us, that's the, that's the you know, amazing part of the story is, Danny Solis was out there operating for three years uh, where he's cooperating with the federal government. 
During that time, he raised uh, $1.3 million and passed all kinds of legislation. Like, when was he being, you know, was he being corrupt or was he, uh, you know, working on behalf of the government to try to lure other people in? I, I mean, I got to believe, you got to hope that they were keeping an eye on him and it wasn't corrupt. But we know from like John Christopher uh, that, you know, that they sometimes, who was a mole and I, <laughs> I forget the name of the investigation. Silver shovel. Silver shovel. Uh, that that uh, they, they lose control of these guys sometimes, you know, because they're there, you know, they, they trust them too much. Yeah. Uh, the, Mark Brown's alluding to, of course, the silver shovel corruption scam from the, I think it's the late 80s, early 90s, and John Christopher was a mole. You're absolutely right, Mark. And not only that, they let him get away with it. In that case, uh, John Christopher was paying off uh, aldermen and state reps, I think it was, to allow uh, to dumping in neighborhoods. So the feds were just playing along with this as huge mounds of garbage were dumped into communities, and the people were complaining, and the feds knew about it all along. So you're right. So in other words... There's a possibility you're saying that this whole, uh, this whole parking lot uh, scam or scheme was part of a larger attempt well, to. Yeah, well, you, you you look at where where did where, how this came to light. It came to light because of this document that I'm sure you've told your listeners that the Sun Times got its hands on. It's a it's a sealed uh, affidavit for a search warrant of Danny Solis. And from that, we were able to find out all these things about this investigation of Danny Solis. And one of these things, and we had held this part back till now until we could try to sort it out, was that when they, f when these uh, Chinatown developers uh, first went in uh, to try to set up Mike Madigan and Solis at that point, who was not cooperating, they they were they were going in for the purpose of a of a hotel project. Uh, that they wanted to do on a different parcel, mm -hmm. parcel land. And then they go, oh, uh, by the way, uh, what we'd really like to do <laughs> is take over this major piece of uh, parking lot in, in Chinatown, which, as, as you know, as a good Chinatown eater, <laughs> uh, I mean, you, you, yeah. you, that's a very vital uh, piece of property down there. Well, we'd like to build a you know, huge development on there. Well, from that... You know, Madigan kind of, well, what's that about? Is that, Madigan asked, is that state-owned land? Yes, it was. Now, we did, you know, it was all news to us, so we had, we took several weeks to try to sort it out. Mm -hmm. um, and I forget where I was going, but from that, we were able to, you know, to trace through that, yes, indeed, another uh, developer, you know, uh, came in with his own project, and then they tried to slide this through mm -hmm. in Springfield. Yeah, you alluded to the affidavit. Actually, I did not talk in this uh, particular uh, show about the affidavit. I have talked in the past about it. It's one of the, uh, uh, or at least I wrote about it. Um, all of this broke since uh, in between of my uh, gigs on the air, uh, Mark. I had a other gig. I got fired from it, and then you broke that story. You at least could have broken it like three weeks ago. I could have talked about it then. But th this is, I was teasing Chris Fusco, who was in the studio here, the editor of the Sun-Times. I was teasing him. The Sun-Times is the only news outlet in the city of Chicago, as far as I know, that has a copy of this affidavit. Nobody else has seen it. Uh, I, I know I've not, speaking for reporters everywhere, I've not seen it. talk about this a lot with other reporters. Uh, you are one of the few people in the world, Mark Brown, who's uh, been able to read this affidavit. And the Sun-Times has generated, I want to say, six major scoops. I'm doing this off the top of my head. 
uh, uh, from this affidavit. Why don't you give folks a little bit understanding of what exactly this document is? Well, the, uh, uh, the federal FBI agents had been uh, investigating Danny Solis for a couple of years. They'd had a, uh, a wiretap up on him, uh, and they had also uh, run a, their own mole in against him, which was this developer, a guy named C. Wong, uh, uh, who had gotten into trouble for something exactly the, what, which we don't know, but it's some, he, he'd had some, some uh, his developments went bad uh, during the, the uh, recession, and he got caught in the switches of doing something illegal. So they, they, ran, they used him to go undercover on Mike Madigan and Solis. So uh, then they were ready to lower the boom on Solis, so they put together an affidavit of every, all the little things that they'd caught him doing in the, in the uh, intervening years, but with the wiretap and everything. And they take that to a judge and said, you know, we want, we want to uh, search his house, his offices, Strangely enough, they never got past his house and, uh, you know, maybe one other property that he owns uh, where his girlfriend lived. And um, after that is when Danny Solis appears to have started cooperating. And we know from one of our scoops, as you put it, uh, that uh, Danny Solis uh, wore a wire on, on Ed Burke on numerous occasions. I think, I think he says 12 so that's clearly a big part of the investigation of Ed Burke, which has yet to fully reveal itself. Now, the uh, it, it was it in the affidavit that you learned that I've forgotten all these details. Was it in the affidavit that you learned uh, that D- Danny Solis was wearing the wire? Uh, no, no, no. We uh, uh, we uh, we surmised by the fact that he had. Uh, he had uh, that they had come at him two years earlier, and that they'd never indicted him. That he probably was cooperating, and uh, sources confirmed to the Sun Times that Danny <laughs> Solis, sources close to Danny Solis, confirmed that he yeah. was uh, cooperating. Man, I love sources like that that can uh, confirm. Fran, Fran Spielman sources. I, Fran Spielman is uh, a great reporter. Fran Spielman is indeed a great reporter, and uh, it wasn't just Fran Spielman. It was so, uh, as I recall, that, well, Tim Novak's been part of this. Let's give some love to all these people. Uh, the uh, federal court reporter. John Seidel. John Seidel has been part of this investigation. Uh, Fran Spielman, as we said, and now Mark Brown uh, got in the act with a lot to talk about, which is the story that we're talking about now, uh, talking about the wheeling and the dealing behind the scenes as Danny Solis uh, tried to convince the state of Illinois uh, to sell this lot uh, to the city of Chicago. By the way, it does not, Mark, give me much assurances about the city of Chicago's oversight that it was considered sort of like a slam dunk for development of the lot. All you had to do was pry the lot from control of the state, get it over the city, boom, the deal would be done. Well, the city keeps trying to say, oh, well, if even if they'd gotten it, even if they'd sold it to us, then it would still have to go through an RFP process. <laughs> I believe that Ben Jarofsky is, <laughs> is an expert in city of Chicago RFP yeah, processes yeah. And, and, and knows how, uh, how an alderman could steer something like that. Uh, and, I, I mean, clearly, I mean, these guys wouldn't have d- invested all this money in this deal if they didn't think that Danny could steer it to him in the end. Yeah. Uh, uh, but it didn't happen. Now, why it did, didn't happen, 
I don't know. You know, uh, clearly the, f- the you know, at first, uh, I mean, the fact that Madigan was in this from the start you, would make you think that they ran, tried to r- run this back at Madigan at some point. They uh, being, when you uh, say that they mean they that. meaning uh, Danny and the Feds mm. tried to steer this back in that direction and see whether he would bite. That's a theory on my part, but it seems logical. And there's no, there's no, uh, we have no evidence that he did, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that he being Madigan, that Madigan got involved in this. But there's a lot we still don't know about this deal. Uh, when Mark used that uh, acronym RFP, Request for Proposal, and uh, yes, uh, it is absolutely uh, one of the um, great thrills of being a writer reporter in this town is watching how when the city supposedly has a wide open, open to anybody, nobody has a favored lane, uh, they say everybody can submit their proposal uh, and we'll just uh, objectively analyze them. It's somehow or other, more often than not, winds up in the hands of the person that you kind of knew was going to get the deal in the first place. And that's another story from way back when, the Clout Cafe, I remember this very well, was at uh, Millennium Park Restaurant. Uh, the Sun-Times did a big, huge expose on that one. And I remember somehow or other, a bunch, bunch of people, uh, Mark, uh, competed for the right to win that restaurant in Millennium Park and somehow it was the group that, with the ties that the dailies, that ended up getting it. Guys so like Freddie Barber, you know, it was uh, yes, and the, and the and the daily cousin, and uh, you know, uh, yes, that's that's an RFP process. That is an RFP process. Uh, Mark Brown is my guest. He's a political columnist for the Chicago Sun Times. We're going to move on. Get get a little uh, political talk from Mark. Talk about the upcoming uh, mayoral election. Tony Preckwinkle, Lori Lightfoot right after this. Hey there, producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, so here's how this works. The Ben Jarofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel, or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download the Ben Jarofsky Show, you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times Online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader Online, chicagoreader.com. And wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for The Ben Jarovsky Show. J-O-R-A. V as in victory, S-K-Y. So, let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., live streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel and downloadable by 4 at chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, The Ben Jarovsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Take it away, Benny J. All right, Mark Brown is my guest, political columnist and writer for the Chicago Sun-Times. We're talking about a lot to talk about. Mark's story with uh, Tim Novak that ran in Sunday's paper. Another uh, story exclusive in the Sun-Times. 
Actually, I don't know how exclusive it is, but another story in the Sun-Times. Verdoliak to plead guilty. I, now, we're going back in time here, Mark. You and I, a couple old-timers, remember Eddie Verdoliak. Fast Eddie uh, was the, the leader of the anti-Harold Washington coalition of white aldermen and one confused Puerto Rican alderman uh, in the 1980s that did, did what they could uh, to keep Harold Washington from having control of the city. He's in the news again. This I think the second time uh, he's facing uh, federal prosecution for uh, some wrongdoing. Unbelievable. Eddie Verdoliak. It's like the gift that keeps giving for investigative reporters in the city of Chicago. Uh, you know, it, it, uh, I mean, it had reached a point where we thought he was never going to get caught like uh, some of these other guys that are uh, lined, seem to be lined up right now. And then now we've got him twice in a decade. <laughs> and what's weird about this one is it's actually, I mean, it's f- something stemming from before he went down the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with this, uh, you know, money he made out of the tobacco settlement, which uh, you know, I, I don't know if you remember, it, it first came up, it came up, uh, into the open during, uh, I believe, his sentencing at the, uh, or at least during, you think during his sentencing at the, uh, after the first trial, and the, and the prosecutors just sort of dropped in one day, and, you know, he's getting... You know, two hundred sixty thousand dollars a year for life from the tobacco settlement, and like none of us had ever heard this before, right? What did he do to earn that? Yeah. And 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 we still don't exactly know, except he he apparently conned this guy and either conned the guy, uh, this lawyer in in Seattle, or uh, that he could get him the inside track on the deal, or he actually did get him the inside track on the deal. Is there any chance that we'll know? Uh, these the, the specifics behind this, how Eddie Verdoyak, uh, what he who I'm I'm quoting from what is this? I'm quoting from the indictment. I think uh, the feds say Soso, that's the other lawyer, and Verdoyak struck a secret deal with Washington attorney Steve Berman to collect on some of the money, even though Verdoyak quote did no work on the tobacco lawsuit. So this, of course, was the lawsuit uh, filed by all the states against tobacco companies uh, to try to force them to pay up for all the damage cigarettes have done to people down through the years. And the state of Illinois got a windfall. I forget how many hundreds of millions of dollars they got uh, as a result to help people, you know, to pay for the insurance costs, what have you, the coverage of, uh, for people who are sick. By Somehow or other, Eddie Verdoliak got a piece of that pie. That was be- better than winning the lottery. <laughs> I mean... Really, it's like, uh, yeah. uh, you know, it somehow it goes into the tens of millions of dollars that he got, a, you know, a piece for himself. So um, yeah, c- could we find out? I-, I sure hope we do. I mean, I, it would be a shame if they'd taken it this far to not, like, reveal all. But maybe he just takes a, he just takes a plea and uh, maybe it's not really a, a bargain. Maybe he just, he just pleads guilty and hopes that by dint of age and health, you know, he doesn't go back to prison again. Well, the, the yeah, the headline is Verdoliak set to plead guilty. He had been fighting it. Now it seems like he's going to take the plea, um, perhaps to avoid uh, more time in the federal uh, penitentiary. Uh, is it possible, Mark, in a case like this, that they could seal the records? If the part of the deal would be to seal all information to prevent us from knowing, you know, what the, the chief allegation is against Verdoliak, seeing some of the evidence. Uh, is that a possibility? Well, when somebody take has a guilty plea, I mean, you know, all the evidence doesn't come out. You know, you don't have what happens at a trial. 
I don't, they, they don't seal. I mean, they've made their allegations against him. I mean, the, it's a very tricky case they brought. It's like it, it, the only, clearly he's not in, he's not in trouble for whatever he did in the beginning. He's in trouble because this guy Soso didn't pay his taxes and, and Eddie was given, cutting, uh, give, kicking back to him because he has, he ha- I think he had a relationship with the uh, Washington guy, with Berman. And so it's in that, it's really complicated where Eddie, you know, they wanted Eddie to, to report what he was paying him and re- like Eddie should have reported to the IRS. Just really complicated stuff. It's like, it's like, you know how they caught Capone on taxes? Yeah. Well, they caught, they caught Eddie on, they didn't really just like catch him on taxes. They caught him on somebody else's taxes. Just, <laughs> it's a really convoluted case. Yeah. Um, and, and here's a great quote uh, from the story uh, that John Seidel wrote. A member of the city council from 1971 to 1987, Verdoliak earned the nickname Fast Eddie for his backroom deals and reputation for dancing on the edge of the law. He was known for saying he always assumed anyone he was talking with might be wearing a wire. That's probably a, a safe assumption, uh, Eddie, if, you ever, if you've talked to Danny Solis uh, in the last several years. Uh, did you ever think Verdoliak, knowing he had this reputation, Mark, and you were here in the 80s, did you ever think Verdoliak would be caught not once but twice by the feds? No, no, I didn't. And, uh, you know, again, I thought he'd, and I thought he'd skated on this uh, t- tobacco thing because they, they brought it up in court that day, and then it went years without anything happening and before it came back around with the Soso investigation. Then this investigation is, I mean, this case is dragged on for years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just thought they were trying to stall out the time. You know how some how they'll do that sometimes. They'll just run out the time, and uh, and hope that you know somebody gives up or or whatever. So uh, Eddie, of course, was a kingpin back in the '80s, uh, leading the opposition to Harold Washington. His uh, chief sidekick was Alderman Ed Burke, Finance Committee Chair, and now Burke's up to his neck in trouble with the feds as well. And, and I think I think you and I know. It's not okay. That's when Eddie was the kingpin, but he was still a behind-the-scenes player. Well after that, well, I mean, uh, probably up until he finally went down a decade ago, mm-hmm. I would say. And and you know, he still has a lot of you know the reputation. His reputation was he controlled judges. Uh, I still would guess he still got a lot of loyal judges out there uh, between him and Burke. So. Um, that's you know, he's, he's he is. I, I find him to be the most fascinating figure in the time I I've been in Chicago. Why, why do you say that? Well, he's, he had the charisma of Sinatra. People love this guy, mm-hmm. I, and and uh, and he, he you know there's just this mystique, the fast Eddie mystique that he was always he was always pulling a game, and everybody knew it. They they came at him reporters. The, the G, they came at him so many times through the years, and they could never quite close the deal. And, you know, at his sentencing the first time, um, you know, there were hundreds of people wrote in letters of, you know, Eddie did this for him, Eddie did that for him, and some of them prominent people. And, uh, and as you recall, the judge at the time went for it, mm-hmm. um, and... Uh, he gave him probation, and it took the uh, uh, appeals court to say, 
hey, this guy deserves some time, man. Yeah. <laughs> and then they, they had to send him away for a little while. Yeah, Fast Eddie looked like he was going to sneak out of that one, too. He got that first judge. You're right to slap him on the wrist. And then I think it was Judge Posner, if I'm correct, Richard Posner, uh, said, oh, come on now, this letter-writing campaign, they got hundreds of letters. This is just a classic case of a politician, you know, getting the people that he was wheeling and dealing for to write the letters. It's not like he's Mother Teresa here. Uh, and then he did uh, serve a little time uh, in the federal. But the uh, uh, allusion to uh, uh, Frank Sinatra, I think, is a very good one, Mark. I always thought it was like the Rat Pack, that the way the reverence so many of the aldermen in the city council had for Doyle with Verdoyak, like they were living large by just being with him. And by the way, a couple of them are still around. Ed Burke, financially, he was uh, reelected, 14th Ward, as you know. He's, I think he's lost his chairmanship of the Finance Committee. But the man who replaced him as Finance Committee Chair, Patrick O'Connor of the 40th Ward, uh, is in the runoff. So that Verdoyak legacy is still a bit with us. I, I, absolutely it is. All right, that's Mark Brown. Mark, I want to thank you. Before you leave, any th early thoughts uh, on Preckwinkle and Lightfoot? Like, who's the, the Sun Times had a story today that uh, a poll, which I'm not quite sure I believe, had uh, uh, Lori up 58 to 30 percent, and looks like she's going to just mop the floor with them. What's your thoughts yeah, on that just, poll? Just, uh, I, I would just tell people that just as the polls in the first uh, go around were 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 off at least at this stage from what happened at this stage in the campaign I, I it just i don't think it's a two to one you know if it is god bless but i i uh i don't think people should like let that uh determine how they approach the election other than to understand that laurie lightfoot does have a chance you know and which they didn't understand two months ago very good mark brown thank you much for stopping in uh troy laravier is on his way and the great Steve James is in the studio. We'll tell you all about that in a little bit when we return. If you would like to advertise with The Ben Jarofsky Show, and who wouldn't, contact Tracy Bame at publisher at chicagoreadercorp.com. We have several advertising options for your business or organization. And quite frankly, we would love nothing more to tell our listeners all about it. Once again, that's Tracy Bame at publisher at Chicago Reader Corp. at C O R P as in Paul.com to advertise with the Ben Jarofsky Show, the Chicago Reader, and the Chicago Sun Times. We look forward to plugging you. Okay, well, that came out kind of weird. More of the Ben Jarofsky Show live and downloaded in moments. there producer dennis here thanks for finding and listening to the brand new ben jarofsky show all right so here's how this works the ben jarofsky show live streams on the chicago sun times youtube channel tuesday through friday 1 until 3 p.m once the show is over you can listen to the replay on our youtube channel or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m where can you download the ben jarofsky show you may be asking yourself well you may be asking yourself a fantastic question 
You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times Online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader Online, chicagoreader.com. And wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for The Ben Jarofsky Show, J-O-R-A, V as in victory, S-K-Y. So let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., live streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel and downloadable by 4 at chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, the Ben Jarofsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show. Hey guys, the Ben Jarofsky Show, hour number two for your Tuesday, March 5th is moments away. But before we get into hour number two, we want to remind everyone that this show is powered by unions. That's right. These hardworking men and women were kind enough to get behind us in this new venture. So we'd like to thank the following unions for making this show possible. The International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, not Aerosmith Workers, Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9. The International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. All of those unions, thank you so much for helping uh, make this show possible. And, well, it all wouldn't be possible without the help of one group, the Chicago Federation of Labor. And with that said, the Ben Jarofsky Show, hour number two, begins right now. It is Tuesday, March 5th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Time studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. In this hour of the program, it's president of the Chicago Principals Association, the one, the only, Mr. Troy LaRabier. And now your host, yes, president of nothing. Chicago Reader columnist, Ben Jarofsky. I'll have you know I was president of the White Sox fan oh. club. All right? So Actually, sorry. I was not president of the White Sox. I wasn't even president of that. Oh, I was a member of the White Sox fan club back in 1972 at Everson High School. You know, I don't think too many fact checkers will be out there on that White Sox. You could have lied right I there. I could have said, yeah, I was president. It was a really heated, contested election, but I was victorious. Nope, wasn't president. I think the president was a guy named Mark, if, if I recall. Don't hold me that. Mark right? Brown? No, not, by the way, Mark Brown, if you, if you want to hear more Mark Brown, uh, he will be appearing with Mary Mitchell, uh, Rosanna uh, Marquez from AARP, and Mays Jackson. Yeah, that Mays Jackson. All right. Hey, Mays, what's going on? W-B-O-N-A-M. I knew Mays Jackson before he was Mays Jackson. Uh, well, who was he? He was just not like Mays Jackson. Oh, okay. He was just, I'm Mays Jackson. <laughs> Mays Jackson. Mace Jackson, of course, superstar uh, talk show host at WBON AM uh, 1690. Uh, and they will be uh, doing a forum. Uh, what is this? I'm looking at reading this really quickly. This, join the Chicago Sun-Times at one of our upcoming Hear Our Voice community forums and dive even deeper into Chicago politics. The first forum is Wednesday, March 13th from 7 to 9 p.m. at the DuSable Museum of African American History in Hyde Park. Mary Mitchell, Mark Brown, Mays Jackson. Tell Mays Ben said hi. All right. Basically, who? 
Huh? <laughs> no, amazing. We had a show. He had me on the show a couple times. Anyway, what you got for me, young man? All right, it's that time of the program where we go to you. And yes, I'm talking to you, the Ben Jarofsky Show listener. How's it going, listeners? Yeah? All right, cool. Ben, let's check our social media pages here, see what the people are saying. First off, we asked all of you on our Facebook and Twitter pages, at Benny J Show on Twitter, with uh, Bernie Sanders making his visit on Sunday. Are we still feeling the burn <laughs> in 2019? Yeah. Now, judging by that enormous crowd of people who showed up to ne- uh, Navy Pier, the answer is obvious for the Chicagoland area. But we have some interesting comments to read from the listeners. Now, of course, we had responses like our Facebook friend Michael. Are you still feeling the burn in 2019? Michael posted, totally. Simple. How about Shauna's comment? Okay. Shauna puts, oh, hell yes, and that's capital Y-A-S-S, hell yeah. yes. Uh, our friend Otis puts it right out there. Otis says Bernie Sanders would make a great commander-in-chief. We also had some, well, indifferent responses, like John's comment, are you still feeling the burn in 2019? John Post, eh, not really. But if he wins the primary, he definitely has my vote in the general election. So, meh, All right. says yeah, John. Man. Well, wow. Thanks for nothing, Bernie would say. <laughs> you know, got to win the primary to get your vote? No, thanks for nothing. <laughs> All right, let's, let's read Margaret's comment. Hey, Margaret, how's it going? Uh, Margaret's, this is a very interesting comment here. Margaret puts, canvassed for Bernie in four states last time, but I'm taking a pass this time. I have no uh, idea why he voted against sanctions for Russia, but that left me cold. That said, if he's the nominee, I'll vote for him because, well, if I have to explain it, you're really not paying attention. So uh, that's Margaret's response there. Uh, And here, Ben, I'd like for you to respond to these statements. We have some uh, friends on Facebook who are indeed not feeling the burn in 2019. Our dear friend and fellow lover of FDR, Heidi Henry. Oh, Heidi Henry, yep. Yeah, she simply says, nope. Mm, uh, She ran for state senate. Yeah, Heidi. Um, so she says, that's it? Nope. That's just a simple nope. Here's Don's response uh, if he's feeling the burn in 2019. Don puts his comment about not wanting to hear from Hillary kind of pissed me off. And here's where Don takes the gloves off. Uh, he puts arrogant old coot <laughs> who likes being coddled with private jets while taking about the working poor or talking about the working poor. And finally, Van's comment. Van puts he's not the strongest candidate when he refuses to acknowledge some of his ideas. Uh, simply will not work. So are we still feeling the burn in 2019? That's the question we are asking you on our Facebook page. Ben Jarofsky, spell that last name. J-O-R-A-V as in victory, as my beloved Bulls did not do on Sunday, S-K-Y. And at Benny J Show on Twitter, we'll be reading your comments all throughout the week, so send us your thoughts. Yay, nay, meh. Whatever the response, we'd love to hear it, and who knows, we may read it on the air. All right, very good. My guest in the studio, Troy LaRavier. He's the head of Chicago Principals Association. And Troy, uh, first of all, welcome back. Welcome back, Cotter. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, man. Thanks. Good to be here. Uh, And uh, Troy was a regular on my old show. Uh, And part of the reason, I'm just going to put it out there, that Troy was a regular on my old show. I really respected this man. Uh, In 2014, he took a bold stand against the... Uh, the way the Chicago public schools were run and uh, the fact that there was no real oversight and uh, they implemented crazy uh, privatization schemes that, that left the schools dirtier than ever. He wrote an uh, uh, editorial in the C- Chicago Sun-Times, uh, where I am right now, uh, about it, denouncing it, and uh, one thing led to another, and he got fired uh, for being too outspoken from his principalship at Blaine Elementary. I'm doing That's this right. all from memory. Uh, yeah. uh, and since then, I've learned what it's like to be fired for being a little <laughs> outspoken. So I think we're like, 
you know, brothers in that respect, Troy. Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, I have to say, um, when I, you know, I left the mayor's race four months ago, mm-hmm. and I have not participated in any political discussion, any interviews. I got called by all the candidates. I politely said no to every one of them and went back to a very private life, uh, uh, just, you know, doing my, uh, focusing on my work. And I intended to stay that way. And then I got a call from Ben Jarofsky, <laughs> the only reporter in Chicago that I cannot say no to. So now I had to go, because I've been paying attention, because I'm like, we're screwed. <laughs> so now I have to go study up on the issue so I can sound like I have some intelligence when you interview me. But yeah, I can't say no to Ben, because I highly respect his work, his writing. Uh, I really love what you do, man. So I had to come in. And pay respects all right i appreciate that i only had a bug him like 45 times but uh, actually the last time I, I i saw you and talked to you we were doing election night uh remote from a restaurant on belmont uh in chicago and you came on and that's when you alluded uh, that you probably weren't going to run and as i just to update some folks maybe they don't know this but uh troy as i call him was the original original gangster he was i think the first person to announce that uh, he was going to be running against Rom, I called the candidates who were in the race uh, before Rom dropped. The original gangsters, everybody got in after that. Uh, you know, okay, look late to the party here. Uh, I tell folks one more time, just to um, uh, you know, just to catch them up, why you decided not to make the run. Um, many reasons. Uh, one, you know, you need three things to run a good campaign. You need a message, you need money, and you need and organized, for lack of a better way to put it, it's a horrible word to use in Chicago, but machine, message, money, machine. Mm-hmm. The machine means the volunteers, the people that'll go door to door. And we had an incredible message. We had better message than anybody out, anybody out there. Uh, our money, <laughs> not quite as good. I mean, we raised a hundred thousand dollars over the course of the campaign for someone like me. That's not that's not small change. But it was the machine part that we really lacked on, uh, in terms of. The people, and ultimately this is my fault. I mean, I can blame it on the people who were responsible for that aspect of it, but ultimately I brought them in. So it's, it always comes down to the candidate. But we just did not have the level. We had, for example, uh, six, a, a list of about 600 volunteers that was sat on for about six months until the day before petitions were due. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> like you, you just, you know, but again, you know, I let those people control that, and you know, it came back to haunt me in terms of getting folks out there to do uh, the petitioning. But I had a moment that I haven't talked about a lot, where I, you know, again with the messaging, I was doing a uh, meet and greet, and uh, it was at Open Outcry in Beverly. It was packed, very diverse audience, and I mean, I was killing it then. And I got to this point where, and the, the did you have the <laughs> capacity yeah. to to stop this? corrupt, wasteful system. Do you think you can do it? And I stood there and I said, um, truthfully, no. I don't think I can do it. But I know we can't. I know for an absolute fact that we can't. We organize ourselves. Um, but in my, the one thing I didn't say in my sort of heart of hearts is that I came to this conclusion that there is no we. Like, there is no organized left with an agenda to stop that nonsense. Like it's the left is divided. 
uh, if it even exists at all at this point. It's just a bunch of warring camps with their own sort of very uh, sort of particular agendas. And we haven't gotten the Republicans, the, the, the right's not like that. They, it's some, I don't know how they do it, but you hear the same messaging from them. It's universal. You hear it. Every, I don't know where they meet to decree <laughs> on what the hell they're going to do, but yeah. what they, they do it. Yeah. You know, they have their right to work agenda. They have, and they, and they, they make it. We don't have a we. And so I decided that I was going to go back and start doing some of the grassroots work of building a we and starting with the Principals Association, getting back to that we. And so that's what I, you know, so when I said I left politics, mm-hmm. I got off social media, it was to focus on becoming an organizer and doing that grassroots work of helping to organize people. So, Well, when you say there is no we and the left is divided into warring camps, are you spe- speaking specifically about the left in the city of Chicago or are you speaking generally about the left throughout the country? And I don't know if I, I mean, in some instances I might call it warring, but I don't know if I use the word warring. I mean, they just have their own particular focus that, they, like, people aren't coming together to see a bigger picture mm-hmm. uh, and act together. I mean, I made a point when I left the race that one of the things that disappointed me was not that the left didn't come together to support me. The left didn't come together to support any candidate. <laughs> like, to get a candidate who has their best interest in who they're warning some they might not be, but they haven't coalesced to become a we that gets a we agenda done. All right, so you're speaking specifically about the city of Chicago yes, when you're so talking about this. Yes, speaking about Chicago. All right, and uh, so what are some of the factors that have le- led to this division? When you, when, you, when you sit back and you look at the state of Chicago politics, progressive politics in the city of Chicago, is it just personality disputes? Uh, or is it just uh, rival- rivalries, jealousies? I mean, wh- why do you attribute the fact that the, the left can't coalesce in this the most democratic city or one of the most democratic cities in the country? Um, that's a good question. I mean, the honest answer is I don't know. I think some of it is probably a mix of many of the things to point out divisions and turn uh, progressives against one another. That's happening. I mean, I don't know if, you know, the, the Cointel Pro was real. <laughs> Right? And it's still real. It may go by a different name, but um, business interests and the government officials who work on their behalf uh, actively work to you know, create divisions amongst people who have a more progressive agenda so that they can't coalesce. And I think oftentimes we fall victim to it. And, you know, when I, when I and I'm not going to mention any names, when I left, I didn't mention a soul in my statement when I left. But this newspaper <laughs> that you work for took that statement and turned it into you know, their interpretation of it as a slight against another candidate. My statement was about me. You know? So once again, and then people who supported that candidate fell hook, line, and sinker for it. Oh, Troy's against so-and-so. Mm-hmm. Right? And not even going to read it for themselves. Right? And so we live in a culture, political culture, uh, and a media culture that is seem to be geared toward creating those kinds of divisions amongst whether it be uh, the left, uh, CoinTelPro in particular. In that instance, was just explain to people what CoinTelPro is. Counterintelligence program. Mm-hmm. It was so in 1972. There was a, a group of activists in a town in Pennsylvania called Media. 
Media Pennsylvania, interestingly enough, mm -hmm. right? And a lot of strange things were going on in the activist community. And they had a sense that they were being uh, infiltrated, that they were agent provocateurs amongst them. And so this group who organized themselves called the Citizens Organized to Investigate the FBI broke into an FBI office and stole thousands of FBI files and released them to the press. Uh, and the files documented what then became, after, after it, it was became known, then you know Congress got involved and forced more files to be released. And they the FBI basically had a program designed to destroy progressive organizations and black progressive organizations in particular. In particular. Yeah. And uh, by the way, there's a great documentary about this. I can't remember the name of it right now. We got some doc. You guys remember the name of the documentary? No? Steve, do you know the name of it? I know. No, I, I know. I know. Name. If you watch Eyes on the Prize, yeah. which is a very lengthy series, yeah. if you look at um, Eyes on the Prize two episode six, I think it's called a the episode called a nation at law, a nation of law question mark mm -hmm. a nation of law question mark. That episode documents what they did, the FBI did to the Black Panther Party here in Chicago. Yes. All right, Troy. Pro. Troy LaRavier is my guest. Uh, we're going to get into the specifics of the upcoming mayoral race, Tony Preckwinkle versus Lori Lightfoot, when we return. The Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by the Chicago Sun-Times. For the latest in Chicago and Illinois news, sports, weather, and the latest in national news from a real Chicago frame of mind and real Chicago writers, check out the Chicago Sun-Times. Read the daily paper or online at chicago.suntimes.com. And hey, if you have a little extra cash, subscribe. And by the Chicago Reader. For a deeper dive in the daily Chicago news and for all of what's going on in this city, you gotta read the Reader. Music, arts and culture, film, extensive event calendars, concert listings, and more, including weekly political columns from writers... Hey there, producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, so here's how this works. The Ben Jarofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download the Ben Jarofsky Show, you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question you can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times Online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader Online, chicagoreader.com. And wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for The Ben Jarofsky Show. J-O-R-A. V is in victory, S-K-Y. So, let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., live streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel and downloadable by 4 at chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, the Ben Jarofsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show.
Okay, welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Troy LaRavier is my guest in the studio. He was uh, the original, original gangster, the first one to declare against Rahm in the run for uh, mayor. He was challenging Rahm from the left. Uh, Troy, of course, Bernie Sanders delegate in 2016, very much a progressive. Troy, everybody is a progressive these days. Uh, my humble opinion, the words really lost all meaning in the city of Chicago. But everybody is a progressive. Everybody's running a progressive campaign these days. What's your thoughts about the, on the use of the word progressive? So, I mean, progressive denotes two things for me. There's two things you have to look at, right? One, your policy stances. Uh, and two, of your, your, your record of actually having some integrity with those stances in your actions. Mm-hmm. Um, and very few people have that. Uh, I didn't, one of the reasons I got out of the race and didn't back anybody because they failed in one of, every single candidate failed in one of those two things. They either had the stances, but had a, a record and made some decisions that said, this is not a progressive or someone who has the integrity to live up to this, these things they're saying, or they just don't have the record of being for, for example, universal health care for uh, open, uh, transparent budgeting practices, uh, for uh, taxing, uh, putting the tax burden, the heaviest tax burden on those who had the great, greatest capacity to meet that tax burden, you know, progressive taxation. Um, and they might have been for it, but didn't seem to have the political will or stomach or capacity to take the kind of hard policy stances to push it. You know, Preckwinkle, for example, she might believe in progressive taxation, but that's not what the soda tax is, <laughs> right? You know, and I have to say, when she came in, I, nobody criticized her harder than I did. You look at the comments of the people when she entered the race. Nobody came as hard as I did. But one of the things I did not mention in my criticism was the soda tax, because I don't believe in attacking people on something just for a matter of convenience. Because when it got passed, even though I didn't like it, you know, my own personal opinion was, look, if I have to pay a few extra cents or another quarter for some pop so that somebody who doesn't have health insurance can get some care at the county, I'll go ahead and do it. I think there probably could have been better ways to do it. I think she should have fought for something more progressive that pushed uh, the burden on those who are more able to afford it. But that's, that's a, that means a political battle needs to take place. That means there's going to be some resistance. And, hell, she couldn't even get support for this, the tax on this, this one. Now, it, it means there has to be an organized left behind mm-hmm. her to say, if you go for this, we got your back. And I think she, as a politician, knows that there is no organized left behind her that will have her back, that if she goes out there and pushes more progressive taxation, she'll be doing it by herself, and we're going to leave her out there to drive. Um, But again, um, I'm not saying she's right for that. It's certainly not the stance. You know, you've seen the way I I, I, I operate. I do what I think is the right thing, consequences be damned. Mm -hmm. And I I didn't see any politician out there who had that kind of mentality, who was going to push for something progressive and not necessarily the safe thing. All right, let's break them both down. Uh, we'll start with Tony since you raised her first. We'll get to Lori later. Uh, you said when, when Tony first entered the race, no one was uh, more critical of her, of her than you, mm-hmm. uh, but you did not specifically criticize her on the soda pop tax. Right. Uh, so what were you critical about her on? Uh, her record of 
voting for the daily budgets that got us into the financial situation that you're in, we're in right now. The fact that when we, when the whole city of Chicago progressives were practically begging her to run against Rahm Emanuel, and she failed to do so twice, and only came in the race after he had left. That said, one, you either, one, you either agreed with the way he was running the city and didn't want to run against him, or you didn't have the political courage to run against him. One of those two things has to be true, you know. And for me, it didn't matter which one was true. I knew I wasn't going to be supporting, at least at that stage, anyone for which one of those things were true. Um, and so those are the two things, two major things that my critique was based on, a failing to step up to the plate uh, and exercise the political courage to go against Rom when we wanted her to. Um, oh, and um, Barrios, mm. that was the third thing. Her support of Joe Barrios, the, the quote that I said was that um, her loyalty and commitment to the Democratic Party was stronger than her loyalty and commitment to the people of Chicago. And I chose those words very carefully. I said stronger. Not that she doesn't have any loyalty or commitment to the people of Chicago. I believe that like most Democratic politicians, their loyalty and commitment to their party is stronger than their loyalty and commitment to us. And you know, I don't know if Lightfoot's any better. All right, let's <laughs> get into it. Look, by the way, just so people know, there's some folks out there might not know. Joe Berrios is the former uh, uh, assessor for Cook County, and for years and years and years, and it came out, uh, investigation by ProPublica and the Chicago Tribune, got to give the Tribune credit, uh, that uh, the way our, our, tax, our property tax system was assessed in the city of Chicago, a greater burden was placed on people uh, in neighborhoods we least afford it. Uh, in poor, poor, low-income, working-class black neighborhoods as opposed to the uh, gentrifying upscale north side neighborhoods. And despite that, Preckwinkle continued to support him, mm -hmm. even after that was on front-page news on the Tribune for three different editions, just how horrible his uh, uh, assessment uh, taxation uh, practices were and how they impacted negatively, particularly at poor people and African-American poor people in particular. She continued to support him. But, you know, he was the Democratic Party. Mm -hmm. I don't know if in her heart of hearts she wished she didn't have to, but this is where my bread is buttered. Um, so, um, you know, but but all I knew was what, what she did. And so that's what I commented on. All that right. said, my wife worked for both Ron and Tony. She worked for the city of Chicago and she worked under Preckwinkle. Pretty close to Preckwinkle. Not so close to Ron, but close to the people he appointed. And... You know, she didn't talk a lot about it, but I got a clear sense that it was like day and night, that Rom's folks were incompetent, <laughs> that the people were, everything was political, and that what Tony was trying to do at the county was actually put some competent people in place to do the job of serving the taxpayers appropriately uh, and generally ran a tight ship. Mm -hmm. um, again, I'm not looking for perfection, but when you're running against somebody, and at that point I'm running against her, I came out hard and highlighted the three things that I thought um, people should have a second thought about when they consider her. All right, let's get to Lori Lightfoot. What's your general thoughts about Lori Lightfoot? I was never impressed by Lori. You know, uh, Lori and I were in lots of forums together. Tony and I never participated in a forum together because I came, I left as she was coming in. Mm -hmm. um, Lori and I participated in quite a few forums, and I was never impressed by Lori. Uh, there was always these sort of lofty statements about being the North Star of Chicago. It, it, I just never heard anything specific from her. It was it was a lot of platitudes coming mm -hmm. from her, and, that, and that's, that's a warning sign for me. Um, 
uh, her lack of, you know, her, again, not supporting universal health care. You know, there was an interview with Progressive, Progressive Magazine called me. Mm-hmm. Um, they had just interviewed Lori Lightfoot. And apparently Lori Lightfoot's press person called Progressive to pitch Lori as the next Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I remember this, yeah. And so they asked Lori, okay, how do you feel about universal health care or Medicare for all? No. How do you feel about getting rid of Chicago gang database? No. Um, and there was another one, uh, um, abolishing ICE. No. Uh, it's just like, wait, wait. You're pitching yourself as the next Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, but you don't believe in the progressive policies that she's pushing. And so they're like, well, who else is running for me? So they called me <laughs> uh, and asked me the same questions. You know, and I gave them my answers, and they put out a whole piece about the difference between those answers. Uh, and so again, uh, those three policies are progressive policies. Going back to your first question, mm-hmm. what is a progressive in terms of looking at Lori Lightfoot? She certainly doesn't seem like one. And then you look at her career, you know, and it's mixed. You have her time uh, on the police board, where it looks like. So you know, convictions or uh, discipline for officers increased under her. But then you have some cases in there that are profoundly questionable where she overturned the board on one officer who was found to where the evidence showed he put a muzzle to a guy's mm-hmm. head and blew his brains out. It, and the, bo- the board itself declared that the shooting was unjustified and then she went and got that thing reversed. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of questionable um, decisions and actions like that on Lori's part that make me go, um, no, nah, this is just too much of a risk here. Like, you, you have a lot of lofty language, but when I look at your record, you know, if I look at Preckwinkle's record, it's pretty goddamn consistent with what she says. Right? It's, she may not say the things I want, but it's pretty damn consistent with what she says. Look at Lightfoot's record, not quite as much. It seems as though you're leading, getting yourself ready to vote for Tony Preckwinkle. Am I reading this correctly? I'm certainly, I haven't decided yet, uh, but if I had to do it today, that would, that's where I'm leaning. Who'd you vote for in this last one? Tony. Tony Preckwinkle. Yeah. And that was one of those hold your nose votes. Like, I don't have my perfect candidate. My Bernie's not here. (laughs) (laughs) There was still burn to feel on this one, huh? (laughs) There's no burn to feel in the Chicago uh, mayoral election. Uh, Whether this is fair or not, I'm going to say this. Uh, Many uh, younger progressive types, millennials, uh, are very, they call me up. uh, They're critical of Lori Lightfoot because she was a federal prosecutor. And uh, it boils down to this more than one person of the millennial persuasion has told me that she is, quote-unquote, a cop, all right? Mm-hmm. They call her a cop, even though I, Lori Lightfoot has never been a police officer, has never served at the Chicago Police Department. But you know what they mean when they say that. Yes, they're speaking right. metaphorically, right. I think. Yeah, um, I mean, she prosecuted dr- in the height <laughs> of the mass incarceration, and mass incarceration was based on drug policy mm-hmm. for the most part, and she prosecuted drug offenses. You know, and now you're going to say... Like, at some point, you, you have to know what you're doing mm-hmm. when you're doing that, when you're sending one black person after another to prison as a prosecutor. And at some point, either your conscience, you know, when I was a principal, I had to have that moment mm-hmm. where I had to take a risk, where I risked my career to say this is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have to have that moment where what you believe and what you're being at, you realize what you believe and what you're being asked to do mm-hmm. are not congruent. And you're either going to continue to do it uh, and not take any risk in order to ensure that people get some kind of justice, 
or you're going to leave that alone to make sure that you continue to get your bread butter. And it seems like that's what she did. And now that it's popular to talk about mass incarceration, she said, oh, this is horrible. Where were you? What were you saying when you were putting all these people in prison? Well, in defense of Lori Life, I'm not going to say something in defense of Lori Life, but she is not part and parcel in any way, uh, Troy. I think you'll have to agree with me this, with the Democratic machine uh, that's so involved in the corruption in the city of Chicago, uh, in the inequities of the city of Chicago, uh, in just all those bad budgets that you were just alluding to, parking meter sales, TIF deals. I mean, you at least got to give her that. She's not uh, part of that in any way. She's a complete outsider in that regard. So I can't give her, you can't really give her that because there's no record. You don't know what she's going to do because all of the, all of those things, like those weren't the politicians pushing those things. Those were the people supporting the politicians, right? Those were the banks, the investors, the school privatizers. Those are the forces behind the democratic machine. And those forces are still going to be at play when she becomes mayor. She's never been tested against them. And based, and again, based on her history or lack of a history, I don't necessarily think she's going to react much differently than the existing politicians to those forces when they come to bear on her. All right, that's Troy LaRavier. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Willie Wilson has just walked into the studio, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know who else is going to come in. Maybe Rahm Emanuel is uh, coming up the elevator right now. That'll be, but we're going to have Willie Wilson with Troy LaRavier uh, in the studio. It's going to be great when we return. Hey there, producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, so here's how this works. The Ben Jarofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel, or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download the Ben Jarofsky Show, you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times Online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader Online, chicagoreader.com. And wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for The Ben Jarofsky Show. J-O-R-A. V as in victory, S-K-Y. So, let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., live streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel and downloadable by 4 at chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, the Ben Jarofsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show. break over welcome back to the ben jarofsky show live from the chicago sun times yes indeed we are live from the chicago sun times troy laravier is my guest in the studio uh and uh, all of a sudden knock knock on the door and who walks in but willie wilson uh the man the myth the legend himself who just ran uh for mayor of the city of chicago 
he was one of the original gangsters, along with Troy LaRabier. And some of the candidates had the guts to run against uh, Mayor Rahm when, and uh, run for mayor when Mayor Rahm was in the race. Uh, it was supposed to be here Thursday, but you know what, Willie? I'm happy to have you sharing the mic, <laughs> sharing the space with Troy. And so is Troy. Yeah, and so is Troy. Uh, hey, I'm, I'm on it, you know? Just, uh, yeah, working hard, you know? All right, Willie, uh, I got the press releases that Scott sent, uh, your dutiful uh, press agent there uh, who's standing in the corner, and uh, it says that you're about to come out with some aldermanic endorsements and a mayoral endorsement. So let's start with the big news, mayoral endorsement. Uh, Troy says he's leaning toward Tony Preckwinkle. We just talked about that. Of the two candidates, which one are you going to endorse? Don't know yet. I, I Listen, <clears throat> my own personal views is one thing. But you may or may not have heard that I won all the. Uh, you know, <laughs> I may have heard that, Willie. Really. I think Scott may have sent me that uh, press release once or twice. Yeah, you may not have heard that I yeah. won what all the different awards. You won the West Side and the South Side. Yeah, I think the first time in history, I believe. You know, so um, they're out there, and so I took in, uh, decided that I was going to send out a poll mm-hmm. the people who voted for me. Uh, see what they say. Right now, I'm traveling around the city. Yesterday, we met with two, three hundred ministers. Tonight, we meet with more. Uh, just left some now, and we got community organization giving their input. And after they get their input, that's the way we're going to go. Friday at one thirty. I see. So yeah. you haven't made your decision yet. You're collecting intel, as they say, in the business, and you're going to make your decision based on all the information you get. Yeah, yeah, but I, you know, that's the right thing to do. Now, I, I must say this, too. Uh, most of the people, I'd say 98 or 99% of the people just say for me to make the decision. They'll follow me, and they're waiting on me. So I thought that, no, I, I don't want to do that. Let me get the input first. Mm-hmm. After I get the input, then I'll put it together and do it Friday. Uh, meanwhile, we're just going to in, in, uh, take the night and support, endorse some of the people in the runoff, Alderman, stuff like that. Probably, I think there's about 14 in the runoff now, and so we're going to do that tonight. But uh, Friday's be the moment, but whoever I endorse is going to be next mayor of Chicago. Why do you say that? Like confident. I just know. I got to feel. Like you said that I wasn't going to win in these wars. Yeah. You remember you said that? Yeah. Did yeah, I say that? Yeah, you were Wait, wrong, you're like yeah. throwing things up. I don't remember what I said. I say a lot of things. Uh, <laughs> Let's pay back the tape on that yeah. one, Willie Wilson. <laughs> I don't remember saying that, but whatever. Well, you uh, didn't think I'd be up in the top five and anything, you know, stuff like that. You I do not recall ever well, saying anything. Said, I, I, may said it, you know, I may have said it. I may have changed. I may have changed, you know. Uh, so, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think you're mixing me up with Al Pacino. Okay, a lot of people oh, think yeah, I look like Al Pacino. Right, right. Well, I'm glad you got a promotion, though. Yes, yes, <laughs> that's a good way of looking at it. The last time I talked to Willie, I was in a different place in my life. Uh, Troy, let me ask you a question about Willie Wilson. Now that he's in the room. Uh, were you surprised by the strong vote he got from <coughs> the West and the South Side? Yes, um, I remembered last time. What, what was it about? Ten, eleven percent. In 2015? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, around, yeah, yeah, about uh, 11 to 12%, I yeah. think. Don't, so, don't cheat me, you know? And what, what, so when I saw, <laughs> and that was when it was just, it was, I think you were the only black candidate in there? Uh, in 2015? Yeah. Oh, my God, I just blanked. Uh, there was Rom. Yeah. there was um, Chewy, there was Willie Wilson, Bob Fioretti. I've 
doing this from memory. That's not black guy. What's about it? Doc Wall. Doc Wall was in that race. Yeah. And so when I saw this time that there was a were a lot more black candidates, I thought it would eat into his 12, 11, 12, 10 percent, and that he'd probably end up with like five. So I'll admit, I never said it publicly, but in my own head, I thought that was what was going to happen. And it, I was shocked when I saw he maintained his, like, Willie Wilson voters are Willie Wilson voters. Yeah. <laughs> so he maintained his percentage. Willie, what, uh, what, why do you think you have this loyalty among voters uh, in the city uh, well, of Chicago? I, I, I think uh, I know it. That is from the work that I do in the community. Look, I spent close to two million dollars my own money, and prior to that, I I, you know, I give away two or three million dollars a year just to people in the neighborhood who don't have IDs to cash a check, mm-hmm. who need food. I, I, I give away maybe three or four hundred grand on the street that people are homeless, mm-hmm. you know. But not only that, we support the churches, community organization, and things of that nature. Um, people haven't forgotten, and I never have wanted nothing for myself. You know, I just 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 do it so it, that it's out there. But I, I can say now that I represent the black community. Yeah, for the well, vote. I do remember the one of the times you were on my show uh, asking you about your alliances with uh, Bruce Ronner. I teased you mercifully about that one because he did throw you under the bus <laughs> yeah, and uh, and and voting for Trump. And, and yet it seems as though as unpopular as Rauner and Trump are among black voters, not just in the city of Chicago, but nationwide, they did not hold though, that against you. No, no. Why would they? I mean, I mean I, I'm myself, my own person, you know. But I held it against you. I just want to put that on. The one thing about myself. Yeah. Look, you, you can't go wrong when you do good, right? So so when people don't like me or say this and this and that about me, what I do? I just say, look, I'm still going to love you, all right? And you remember this here, too. People always say that, this, hear that. Oh, he can't be mayor. He can't run here and there because he can't talk. And I, and I, I tell them what I tell them. I say, I signed in front of my check, they signed the back of theirs. Yeah. <laughs> I've been <laughs> quoting you on that one, Willie, for about a year now. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I wish right, I signed right. in front of a check yeah, well, once. Which one you'd rather be? Uh, yeah, you know? the front. That, that's, you know. uh, look, uh, people talking. Uh, look, I, I, I never had deny. I'm from Louisiana and from the seventh grade education, but I think I make more money than those who have a good education, yeah. a little bit more. Yeah, you made a lot more money than I have, that's for sure. Uh, Troy, let me ask you this question. Uh, I just What I just asked uh, Willie, he supported uh, Donald Trump, voted for Donald Trump, I should say. He had his reasons for it. We're not going to go through all that again. Uh, and uh, he had that alliance with Bruce Rauner, and yet he did get overwhelming support. He got strong support uh, on the west side and the south side. Uh, what do you, how do you attribute that? Well, one, frankly, I don't think most folk know. If you show up at the debates, that's how I found I found out because I was standing at a forum, two people down from Willie Wilson, and they were asking us who we voted for, and I just happened to be at the forum, and it says Trump and Ronna, and I go, that's how I found out. I don't think most people know. As a matter of fact, I've had conversations with them. Like, did you know he voted for Trump and Ronna? I said, what? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah. I don't think it was out there. <coughs> now, whether or not it would have impacted us, you know, we can only guess. Um, but I'm certain that 95 to 99% of the folks, uh, that 10% had no idea. Well, I uh, I guarantee that if you had made it to the runoff, 
that would have been the first attack commercial that would have been aired by Tony or Lori, whoever you would be running against. You know, would be the om- ominous voice. He voted for Trump. You know what? You know, but I don't think people look at it that way. You know, the ones who do, well, that's fine. But people look at if they're hungry and I can give them food without wanting anything back, appreciate mm-hmm. it, right? I don't look at it that way. You know, I, I look, I voted for, uh, uh, you know, Bruce because he promised me that what he would do for the community, right? Uh, I voted for the other governor two times in a row. He did not deliver these conversations we had. Mm-hmm. And I remember, <coughs> I didn't ask for anything for myself. We didn't even do business with the state, nothing mm-hmm. like that, all right? We didn't ask for that, all right? But it, 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 what you do, you look at a person, uh, and you, you vote for that person, all right? And when you talk about Republican, wasn't Abraham Lincoln Republican? Yes, he was. <laughs> <laughs> you got to go back a long way. I think the last time you said that oh, to yeah, me, Willie. Yeah, yeah, Abraham Lincoln was Republican, all right? Yeah, he was. So are you going to condemn him because he was Republican? No, one no. One of the best presidents in, in the United well, States. we're not condemning you know? Ronna because he's a Republican. Yeah. We're condemning Ronna because he starved the state for two years and had policies that actually, I, I would listen to Ralph, I think it was Ralph, uh, I forgot, Robert uh, Martwick. Mm-hmm. And he stood up one day at a public event, event and said, people are dead because of Bruce Rauner. This is a state representative. Mm-hmm. People are dead because of this <clears throat> man's policy. So, you know, it's not because, you know, not because he's a Republican. It's your, your actions show almost no regard for human beings. And they also show that you consider the biggest city in the state that you govern, you treat it like it's another state. Like it's not part of the state you're governing, but some rival or some enemy. Mm-hmm. Like you're not governor of, like this isn't part of what you govern. That's how he treated us. And so that's uh, why I think people would hold a vote ag- for Ronna mm-hmm. against um, oh, anybody well, who voted oh, for him. Oh, yeah. They voted for Ronnie Manion, who covered up Laquan McDonald, got shot 16 times. What's, I mean, Governor, he wasn't in a conspiracy shot a person 16 times. Uh, Ronnie Manion took the, didn't do good and did a job, the contract, the schools, and things of that nature. I mean, what the heck? You know? Uh, 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 look. Mayor right now of the city of Chicago should be investigating and put in jail. All right? Now that we agree on. All right? <laughs> All right? But probably is it that nobody said anything about that, right? Well, there's something else I think you may agree on. I, I'd like to try to get your thoughts on this. Uh, this was a quintessential Willie Wilson moment. Uh, it was that grassroots collaborative uh, forum that was held at a church on the west side, Willie, and uh, they gave passed out green cards and red cards to the people in the audience. And so the tradition is that when you hear something that the candidate says that you agree with, you raise the green card. And when you hear something that you uh, strikes you the wrong way that a candidate says, you uh, raise uh, the red card. Uh, Willie Wilson, uh, at that particular forum, did not mention voting for Bruce Rauner or Donald Trump. But what he did mention, he came out strongly about, was his opposition to red light cameras. And red light cameras become a symbol uh, Troy, and I know you know this, about the regressive ways in which the city of Chicago has tried to squeeze more revenue out of the people who can least afford it. People lose their cars. Yeah. Uh, they get dis- dispossessed. Do you know how many green cards went up the air when Willie said that? I was like, oh, Willie Wilson's pretty popular on the west side. And, I mean, right. <laughs> South side, too. Right? That's a big issue with the, the, the red light cameras. You know, I, it was a part of a commercial I put out, the Rom Get the Hell Out commercial. 
That was big, one of the big issues that I ran on. Um, putting some progressive revenue in place and using that progressive revenue to get rid of regressive like the red light cameras. Now I'm not, you know, I'm, I don't know if I'm for getting rid of every single camera. I know there are traffic experts that say there's a certain percentage of them. If you put the timing on them right and you distribute them evenly throughout the places where they actually need to go, because I believe in, you know, listening to experts um, and, and not just going with what public opinion says is, you know, you should do to get votes, mm -hmm. uh, but. There would have certainly, under the Ravier administration, been a significant reduction in those things, and they certainly would have been distributed, if at all, around the city, been distributed a lot more uh, um, representatively in terms of the different race and income areas of the city. Troy LaRavier is in the studio, and Willie Wilson, a surprise guest, uh, walked into the studio. Glad to have the two of them there. It's I, Get this picture and we'll put it all on Facebook and uh, Instagram. <laughs> They're sitting right next to each other in our nice little Sun-Times studio here. Willie, you had a quote uh, in the Sun-Times the other day. I think it was the Sun-Times, may have been the Tribune, uh, regarding uh, reaching out to uh, your supporters, your constituents, et cetera, to see who they wanted to support for mayor. Mm -hmm. And there was the issue of Lori Lightfoot being uh, openly gay. And that I think the quote was, it's a hard sell for many of the churchgoers that uh, support you. Uh, elaborate a little bit on that. Uh, well, <clears throat> I I met with uh, first of all I met with both Tony Prepwinkle about an hour and a half. I met with um, Laura Lightfoot um, probably about four hours, mm -hmm. and we had some deep conversation. There is an issue, you know, open, you know, gay gay and lesbian. I know there's another letter fight, but you know I don't know them all. You know, and I I said openly, all right. There is an issue, and and also. At one point in my life, that was an issue for me, too, you know? Just, I, and I told her that. And I told the world the whole, whole thing, all right? Because, see, like, it, it, we believe the scripture a lot, all right? But the same token as I've been relating to the, the ministers I met with a lot of them this past week and two weeks, is it, it, that let's judge a person on economic and social issues. Whatever person decides to do with their own personal life is their own business, all right? And I just came from a meeting today talking the same thing. All of the pastors that I know of and talked to uh, have said, look, whatever you go with, give us a word, all right? I think that human beings are human beings. Look, what's it different than being uh, two sins and two sins? If you tell a lie, it's sin. You tell somebody, it's sin. So what we have to do is get beyond that. Let's think about the schools and the uh, economic part of it and the fairness and so that's why I've told everybody, I said this, do not judge, as a friend of mine told me the other day, do not judge uh, uh, gender, but judge the, the agenda. And, and that's how we come with it. That's Willie Wilson. Troy LaRavier is also in the studio. We'll be right back after this. Hey there, producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, so here's how this works. The Ben Jarofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel, or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download the Ben Jarofsky Show, you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times online, chicago.suntimes.com. 
the Chicago Reader online, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for The Ben Jarovsky Show. J-O-R-A. V as in victory, S-K-Y. So, let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., live streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel and downloadable by 4 at chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, The Ben Jarofsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show. If you would like to advertise with the Ben Jarofsky Show, and who wouldn't, contact Tracy Bame at publisher at chicagoreadercorp.com. We have several advertising options for your business or organization, and quite frankly, we would love nothing more than to tell our listeners all about it. Once again, that's Tracy Bame at publisher at chicagoreadercorp, that's C-O-R-P as in Paul, dot com to advertise with The Ben Jarofsky Show, The Chicago Reader, and The Chicago Sun-Times. We look forward to plugging you. Okay, well, that came out kind of weird. More of The Ben Jarofsky Show live and downloaded in moments. to the Ben Jarofsky show. Mr. Jarofsky. Man, take us <laughs> I home. I love that music. I don't know where he got it, but you know, somebody should play that on the piano there. Willie Wilson, by the way, is a good singer. Maybe one day you come in the studio and sing some songs with me. Uh, by the way, Willie Wilson, Sam Cook documentary on Netflix. Run, don't walk to watch it. You really want to it gets into why Sam Cook uh, was killed. I urge you to watch. I know you're a Sam Cook fan. We talked about this before. Uh, Troy Laravier. Just your thoughts on what Willie was talking about, uh, the attitudes of many um, uh, ministers, et cetera, church people in the black community toward uh, homosexuality. Absolutely. Uh, first, you have two Sam Cooke fans here. So, uh, okay. Into the, into the question, something that um, uh, Dr. Wilson said that was one, brave and deep. He said, because people don't like to do that, but he did. He said, that was once an issue for me, too. Right. That was once an issue for me, too. And oftentimes when we discover that someone had some kind of anti-black or anti-homosexual or anti-anything past, we want to jump down on that person. He did this. He like It's exactly that kind of person because we want to change people's minds. Obviously, they're not that anymore. They've undergone some kind of transformation where their belief system has changed. And it's exactly that kind of person that we want to highlight and uplift if we want to change other people who are where they used to be. And so I think we need more people who've had, whether they were anti-black or anti-homosexual, to be honest about that and talk about that transformation because he would be an exceptionally, exceptionally great ally in that religious community. 
as someone who's gone through that transformation to talk to those people about why he changed his mind. But oftentimes when we hear that, it's like, oh, he used to this. He was all, oh, we don't want to vote for him. Yeah. Let's ban him. No, th that's the people you want to find and uplift and uplift their stories. And so I'm glad you said that. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad he said it as well. Uh, you know, we're almost out of time here. Uh, Troy, I have to ask you, uh, next time I'm going to bring you on, we're going to talk more, take a deeper dive on the presidential race. Are you going to support Bernie Sanders this time around? I've made a decision, but, uh, um, you know, as someone who risked his career to film a Bernie Sanders commercial criticizing Rahm Emanuel that got played repeatedly um, in the airwaves, you know, that's certainly, it's probably a 90% possibility that that's going to happen. But, you know, I'm going to do my due diligence, take a look at uh, all the candidates that are out there. But, again, it's Bernie's message. You know, Bernie's message that we're in a rigged economy, we're in a rigged economic system, and the people who run that economic system, who get benefit from it, take the money from that system and then use it to corrupt our political system to stop us from being able to make changes, mm -hmm. again, once again, in the economic system. Like, that message is universal, and it describes almost every problem we face, whether it's in the environment, whether it's privatization of the school system, uh, the Wall Street excesses. It is the central ill of our country, of our state, and our city, and I haven't heard anyone who focuses on that central ill the way Bernie does. And so he has a strong likelihood to keep me. All right. Willie, have you made a decision yet? Um, uh, for president, president. Uh, no, you know, I, I ran for president. I am aware of that. Yeah. I, I didn't know you were. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we <laughs> talked about it the last time you were on our show, though, right, and right. how uh, the Clintons went hard on you with the lawsuits. <laughs> oh, that's right. She yeah. did. No, I, the person that I will endorse would be the person who come to the table and economic equality for job contract not only in the united states but the jobs and the contract international as well who's not going to leave out the minority people and and i will have to come to the table and say okay let it reflect the population okay of america tax pay dollars things of that nature don't mistreat anybody whether you're white black or, or other but make sure you don't leave out the blacks and the black and brown and people that as well. And one person can explain that to me and have those same views. I'm all foot. And then prison reform, don't get prison reform, you know, get rid of these privatized prisons. Mm -hmm. Today, I look at, look, people in slavery today, black people that is, way back in 1863, we were more freer. Prison made four or five billion dollars. Privatized prison last year, our black people in prison. Those things that I'm issue, I'm concerned about, and those particular things, then I'll select who it would be. But they cannot come to Chicago and say, "I'm going to do this and lead the black people out." I'm gonna stand right in the way. All right, very good. That's Willie Wilson, Troy LaRavier. Thank you both for coming in. Also, want to thank Mark Brown, uh, Miles Porter, the pride and joy of Roosevelt University, uh, Steve James, a visitor to the studio, and of course, the man, the myth, the legend behind the board, pride and joy of Alton, Illinois. They call him the doctor. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Thank you, Troy. Thank you, Willie. See you tomorrow, everybody. The Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and thank you once again, 
to the Chicago Federation of Labor. See you tomorrow. wondered how to say good morning in Italian or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. Just say, what is happy birthday in German? Or how do you say hello in Japanese? Do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.